listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. Amen. Um, there, there's a special passage of scripture that has been used in various ways. Um, they've used it to start city commission meetings. They have used this uh, to, at the beginning of, of some sessions of Congress. They probably need to use it at every session of Congress. Um, it has been said in many locker rooms. It has been repeated in team huddles. It has been said standing over deathbeds and, and also used for children's bedtime prayers. Um, it, it is what we call the Lord's Prayer. And it's found in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11. And today we're going to be reading our main text from Luke chapter 11. So if you have your Bible or digital device, you want to go ahead and turn there. I'll be there in just a moment. But uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, um, let, me, let me give you some context here of, of what had happened for, for Jesus to offer this, this prayer. He had just finished praying to his heavenly Father. He had just finished praying when one of his disciples approaches him and makes a request. And, and what the disciples said to him, it was, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He says, so John has taught his disciples how to pray. Would you teach us how to pray? And in response, Jesus teaches them how to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It could probably be better referred to as the Disciples Prayer or the Believer's Prayer um, because I believe it's a prayer that Jesus not only offered his disciples, but I believe he, he offers it to us for us to pray. I think it's a great model for us to pray, and I don't have time today to get into that, but if, if, you're, um, fail, if, if words are failing you, if, if, if you don't know what to pray, always go back to, to the Lord's Prayer and pray this prayer. And I promise you, God will hear you in this prayer. So in response to this disciple's request, Jesus teaches them how to pray, and here's how he does it. Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 4. It says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven. Say, Our Father in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. As I have taught before, the reason why humanity exists is because God wanted a family. Now, I need you to bear with me just for a few moments, church, because what I, I need to do to lay the foundation for this, it's, it's, it's something that I wholeheartedly believe. And I know that there's many others in the room and some watching online that they, they wholeheartedly believe this with me. But yet there's always some individuals that maybe you haven't opened up the scriptures or maybe the scriptures have not been revealed to you in such a way that you have a good understanding of this. And so I need to explain this just to kind of lay the foundation for where I believe God wants us to go with this message. What I'm about to say is not meant to be offensive. My words are not meant to be offensive. However, let me say this. When we are in sin, the word of God becomes offensive to the sinner's soul. And it's meant to. It's meant to. 
It's described as a two-edged sword. It is meant to cause a little hurt, a little pain, in order to perform the correct operation that needs to happen in our lives to take out whatever is sinful out of our lives. And so understand my heart right now, because I'm about, it's going to sound like I'm on a soapbox here in just a moment, okay? And so I'm letting you know where I'm heading, but I'm not going to stay there. It's just, just a foundation, and then we're going to move on. But it's important for us to understand it, because it's the basis of humanity, and we cannot understand the heart of God until we understand the Word of God. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh my God, where's he going? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, where am I going? You know, that's where I'm at too. Um, and so the reason why humanity exists is because God wanted a family. God wanted a family. That's the whole reason why he created humanity. And, and, and I think in, in my, my finite way I understand this because every accomplishment that I've had in my life is made that much more special when I get to enjoy it surrounded by my family. I think most of you understand what I'm talking about when I say this. When you're surrounded by family and there's some accomplishment in your life, something you're celebrating in your life, it just makes it that much greater. It's, it's that much better of a celebration when you have people that love you on the journey with you. When we celebrate the anniversary of this, this great church, I love that my family is here to celebrate it with me. When I released my first book, it meant so much to me that to have my family by my side. It, it just it mattered to me. And creation was not complete without sons and daughters to share it with God. God created everything that was, everything that is, and he got to the end and he realized, I need sons and daughters to enjoy this with me, to enjoy creation with me. And so on the sixth day, God created humanity. He created us as his sons and daughters. And, and God created two beings that were similar to each other, but different. Now you know where I'm heading, okay? They were similar, but they were different. And make no mistake about it, church, each one was created gender-specific on purpose. Okay. Now, I, I want everyone in the room to listen close to me, okay? And I always do this whenever I, 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 I start touching on a subject like this. I need us to understand that there are people in the room that they have loved ones who are struggling right now. And before we shout the house down on this, because you agree with me, okay, let's take their, their hearts into consideration because they may have children or grandchildren or, 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 or just someone that they love and care about that is struggling right now and, and may be in some, some state of confusion as it relates to their sexuality. I want us to be careful. I have a strong stance on this, but I also have a, a heart for those that are hurting. And so we're going to be careful with this. But I want you to understand, and if, you, if you've never realized this, just open your heart just for a moment, and, and I promise this will be over quick. This is going to be like a Band-Aid. I'm just going to rip it off, okay? We cannot make any mistakes. Each one was created gender-specific on purpose. Genesis 1 and 27 says, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. There's, there's only two. Male and female, that was it. Genesis 5 and 2 says he created them, male and female, and he blessed them and called them human, okay? So if you're upset with that, 
take it up with God's word because this, this is where I get my worldview from. This is what matters to me. This is what I'm basing all of this on, okay? And so it's very, very gender specific. He created male and female. And before you check out, let me show you why. I think that's, that's what some people don't understand. Let me show you why he created them gender specific. Genesis 1 and 28. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So God created male and female because he, he wanted us to create. We're made in his image. He's the creator. He wants us to be creative. Some of the men in the room are like, yeah, let's be creative. No, just stay with me. Stay with me. So if you love God and you believe his word, you cannot deny the fact that he was intentional with his design of males and females. And the whole reason why is because God wanted a family. He wanted sons and daughters, and God still wants sons and daughters. You see, there's plenty of room. There's plenty of room in my father's house. There's plenty of room. He still wants sons and daughters. And we live in a world that is fighting to deny God of what he wants the most. Sons and daughters. Think about it. If the enemy can convince humanity to live outside of their created gender or be attracted to the same gender, he can deny God of what he wants the most. And this is the part that so many people don't realize they don't see. They don't realize the, the enemy's schemes and, and, and Satan's hand, handiwork in all of this is simply because he wants to deny God of what he wants the most. He wants family. And when you live in that alternative lifestyle, you are denying God of what he wants the most. Now, I need you also to understand this confusion wasn't caused by a political party. Some of you want to believe that because it's easy to point fingers. This was not caused by a political party. This wasn't created by an organization. It wasn't concocted by an oppressed people. That's not it at all. The confusion was birthed in the pits of hell to, to deny God of what he longs for the most, his family. And before you email me or blast me on social media, here's what I want you to do. First of all, find supportive scripture to back up what you believe, because as I said, we are a Bible-believing church, and we believe in the inerrant word of God. That we just we believe that, okay? And so we can have a healthy debate, but you're going to bring some scripture to the table, okay? I'm going to get out of this so I can move on because that's really not where I wanted to stay. But before I do, let me say this. <laughs> yes, God is love. God is love, and he loves you just the way you are. But he longs for you to love him back. And in order to love him back... We have to deny our sinful lusts and our sinful desires, okay? We cannot, we cannot satisfy the lust of the flesh, okay? And, and that goes beyond. That goes beyond homosexuality. It goes beyond genders. Uh, it's, it's lifestyle. It's whatever it is in our life that is separating us from the love of God. We have to deal with that in order to, to love God back, amen? But understand, love isn't love until we recognize first that God is love. God defines love. Love doesn't define God. And we can't afford to get this wrong because if we do, it denies God of any future sons and daughters. And that's what he wants out of humanity is he wants a family to love. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so we're done with that. Everybody's like, oh, thank God. 
It's okay. It's okay. You'll thank me later. And if you teach that to your children, yeah, okay. So now that we've established what God wants, God wants a family, let's explore humanity's relationship with him. It might surprise you, church, to learn that God is only referred to as a father 15 times in the Old Testament. Only 15 times in the Old Testament is God referred to as a father. Generally speaking, those references are referring to the nature of God, not actually who he is. Only one person in the Old Testament actually called God father. And that was the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah called him father twice in the book of Isaiah. But it's interesting that as you progress towards the end of the Old Testament, God responds to this disappointment of humanity not calling him father. I'll show you. Jeremiah chapter 3, verse 19. It reads like this, and this is God speaking. He says, I thought to myself, I would love to treat you as my own children. I wanted nothing more than to give you this beautiful land, the finest possession in the world. I looked forward to your calling me father, and I wanted you never to turn from me. What interesting words that God uses. He says, I looked forward to your calling me father. This is what God was longing for. This is what God wanted from humanity. He was looking forward to us calling him father, and God's heart is broken when humanity does not view him, treat him, honor him, and depend on him as father. It's, it's the yearning of a parent that loves their children and just wants them to love him back. That's it. I love you. You are my children. I want you to love me back. Now see, in the Old Testament, there were, there were people that were more concerned with the holiness of God than they were in developing a personal relationship with their heavenly father. I'm not denying the holiness of God. I'll talk, I'll talk about that in just a moment. But understand that, that there, the mindset was, let's, let's keep God so holy and not personal. You get to the New Testament, and the word that Jesus used in our text is, is the Aramaic word, Abba. He says, Abba. It's Aramaic for father. Our Abba, our father. And Jesus was teaching his disciples that when they pray, they should call him our Abba, our Father. When you pray, you, the first thing you say is our Father. As most of you know, last October, our lives were forever changed with the birth of Knox Anders McKinley. And he has pop rock just wrapped right around his finger. I'm telling you, it's, I'm, I'm a mess. I'm letting you know I'm a mess. And of, of course, I know we're all biased. The whole family is biased. We think that he is not only the cutest kid on the planet, but we think he's the smartest kid on the planet too. And he's going to fool us one day. I know it because he's going to do something dumb. Okay, But, but, but we think, we think he's, he's a pretty smart kid. Whattoexpect.com says that a child will most likely not say their first word until they are close to one year old. Out of their research, they said children will make lots of sounds, but they will not say their first words until they are close to one year old. Well, Knox was not even seven months old when he said his first words. He's brilliant. I'm telling you. The kid is brilliant. Kendall, Kendall, 
She has been trying to get him to say Aunt Kinkin. She's just, she'll settle for Kinkin if he'll just say that. And every once in a while, he makes a sound that kind of sounds like, like Ken, but there's no proof yet. Mandy's been trying to get him to say Grammy. I've been trying to get him to say Pop Rock. He'll probably be like two and a half before he says that. I'm sure Mariah was hoping that his first words would say, would be mama, you know. But Knox's first words were, dad, dad. It was, dad, 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 dad. His face lights up when Caleb walks into the room. It, it's, it's amazing. It's like this, this child gets giddy when he sees his dad, and I can already tell how much he loves his father. It's, it's an amazing thing. And by the way, happy Father's Day to my son. This is his first Father's Day, and it's fun to watch. It is. Amen. This church, this is the relationship that God the Father wants with his sons and his daughters, his creation, us, this is why he said be fruitful and multiply because he wanted his family to expand. He wanted his family to grow and he's not an absentee father. He is right here, right now. He cares about everything you're going through, everything you're going through and everything you've been through and he was there in the past. He's gonna be there in the future and he is here right now. This is the relationship that he wants. He wants our faces to light up at just the mention of his name. He doesn't want it to be impersonal. He wants it to be intimate. He wants it to be loving. And, and, and as I was thinking about this message today and how to, how to relate this to you, I, I can almost picture the conversation that God the Father had with God the Son before he left the throne room to become one of us, before he became Emmanuel, God with us. I can almost picture that conversation between God the Father and God the Son when, when God the Father looked at him and said, make sure that they know me, son. Make sure that they know me and Teach them to call me Father. Teach them to call me Father. And what did Jesus do? He lovingly calls God Father 165 times in the New Testament. 165 times he refers to him as father. The first time we see this in scripture is when Mary and Joseph left Jesus behind in Jerusalem by accident when he was only 12 years old. And they finally find him after three days at the temple. And when they asked him, when they asked Jesus, what are you doing? Why have you had us so worried? What are you doing here? He replied in Luke 2 and 49, it says, and he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? This is the first time that we hear a child Jesus refer to him as father. I'm sure he said it in, in other instances before this, but this is the first recorded moment where he actually calls him father, and it's in scripture. And then 164 more times after that, Jesus calls God father. And, and what I love is that God, the father, reciprocated this at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17 it says and behold a voice from heaven said this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased and so God the father calls him the son this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased now what you have to understand is for a Jew to refer to Yahweh to God 
for a Jew to refer to God as father was blasphemous. This was not allowed. Matter of fact, they wouldn't even say the name Yahweh. It was so holy, they wouldn't even pronounce it. And when they would write it out, they, they, they would only, only write out what, what we would refer to as the consonants of it. They'd leave the vowels out. That's how holy they viewed the name of God. Bible scholars have pointed out that up until this point in human history, no religious teacher in any world religion had ever referred to a deity so casually as Jesus did. This was radical. This was extremely informal. But notice that Jesus didn't undermine God's holiness when he did it. Back to our text, Luke, 11, Luke chapter 11, verse 2. It says, and he said to them, when you pray, say, our Abba, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, be your name. He refers to him as Father, but he also acknowledges his holiness. It, it would be like you and me saying, you know, you are my father, but you're also the owner of the company. You are my father, but you're also the CEO. You are my father, but you're also the president of the United States. I think you're starting to understand this, right? You are my father, but I also recognize how great you are, which makes my relationship with you that much more special because I'm related to the man in charge. When humanity finally figures out that we are children of the most high God and that he is our father, we will walk in a different authority than what we do right now. When we realize that we are in direct relationship with the man in charge, with the one that, that has, has created all and everything that will be and has been is under his power. When we recognize this, it gives us a different sense of living and certainly a different relationship with him. But two decades after Jesus said, did you not know that I must be in my father's house at 12 years old? Two decades after he said that, those words would get him into some serious trouble. Because the Jews wanted to kill him for what he was saying. John chapter 5 verse 18 says, This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath. Oh, we'll get to that next month. Um, but, but not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father. Making himself equal with God. Church, these comments would cost him his life. But Jesus was adamant. God is my father. God is my father. There's no denying it. I'm made in his image. God is my father. And in the Lord's prayer, he invites us to call him our father. As a matter of fact, 30 different times Jesus refers to God as our father or your father. Making sure that humanity understands this. In doing so, church, he brings us into fellowship with the father and he invites us to call his father our father. And then after his resurrection, because they killed him for it, but he wouldn't stay dead. After his resurrection, Jesus told Mary in John chapter 20, verse 17, he says, Do not cling to me, 
For I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. He makes it plain even after his resurrection. My Father is your Father. Let, let me end this thing. And, and, because I, I, I can sense some of you right now, the Holy Spirit starting to deal with your hearts. And, and, and you, you need this. You need to understand because you walked into this day brokenhearted. Maybe you've witnessed a child become jealous when their father or mother is holding or playing with another child. Maybe, maybe you've experienced this with, with your own children. It, it's, it's, it's like, why, why are you doing this to me? Like, well, you have forsaken me. Why, why are you? It's an easy place for a child to gravitate to. As a grandfather, not claiming to be his father, as his grandfather, I witnessed this at Vacation Bible School this past week. The nursery workers that, that are in the room, that were in there at that time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I stopped by to see Knox in the nursery. I, I just wanted to, to you know, see how he was enjoying his first Vacation Bible School, even though it was just in the nursery. I just wanted to make sure that he was, he was good. But let's be honest, I was on the same property as Knox and I had an opportunity to go see him. I just wanted to see him. That's what it was. The first night that I stopped in there, he was sleeping. He had no idea that I was even in the room. But when I walked in, my little friend named Benjamin, he, uh, he saw me and immediately started crying. And I knew I caused it. I walked in the, in the nursery. I walked in there, and I, and, and I probably shouldn't have walked in. And, and so I see Benjamin crying, I walk over and I, I pick him up and I start holding him and he starts messing with my beard, as a lot of kids do, and I was wearing a hat, he takes my hat off and on, he stops crying. And I spent a good 10 minutes in there, just I sat down on the floor with him, played with him some, and, 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 and Knox never had a clue, he slept through the whole thing. The next night, knowing that little Ben might cry if I walk in, I look through the pane glass right there. And I just looked around the room real quick. There's Knox. He's in that, that little seat that bounces. And I look, and there's, there's no bin. So it's safe. I walk through the door. As soon as I walk through the door, I immediately look left. And Amanda Fredwell is sitting there holding Ben. And as soon as he saw me, he starts crying. Knox sees me at the same time, and he's lighting up. I mean, his face... And I did the responsible thing. I walked over and I picked Ben up because he's, he's, he's bawling and it's my fault. And I went over and I picked him up and I held him and he quieted down. And I looked over at Knox and Knox was giving me this look. <laughs> it was that look like, what do you think you're doing? His face, there was just this puzzled look on his face. It was like, you only come in here to talk to me. You only come in here to... to, to and, and then, as I'm trying to get Ben to calm down, I'm, I'm making the sounds that we make to children. And I'm talking like this, you know. And, I'm, I'm, and Knox is looking at me going, I thought you only made funny sounds with me. And I thought you only talked like this to me. And, and, and I'm like, oh, God, this kid's going to, he, he's going to hate me. Like, like, he thinks I have forsaken him. What, what, what am I going to do? And it was like Knox just flipped a switch. 
he decided to go on about his business and he started playing again and totally, totally ignored me. <laughs> Bouncing up and down like nothing happened, which is a good thing because Pop Rock has quite a few kids that, that, that need my attention from time to time. So it was a wonderful thing. Jesus, the one that John 3.16 refers to as the only son of God, invited humanity into the family and said, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven. He didn't lay claim to his Father and refuse to let us in on the benefits. He said, my Father is your Father. Mi Padre, su Padre. The benefits that I have from my Heavenly Father I extend those same benefits to you. The deliverer, the healer, the provider, everything that our Father can offer, I extend that to you. I invite you into the family. I want you to be a part of this with me. He's, it's like he said, I want brothers and sisters, and you are the children of God. Come along this journey with me and call him our father. And then time and time again, God has solidified our relationship with him in his word. John 1 and 12, but to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Romans 8 and 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. 1 John 3 and 1, see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. Galatians 4 and 6 and because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts prompting us to call out Abba Father. Jesus said when you pray you say our Father, our Abba, our Father. Church we've got to learn where we stand in relationship with God the Father. We've got to learn that no matter what happens in life, no matter who likes us, who doesn't like us, no matter who comes against us, who doesn't, no matter what, we are still children of God and God wanted a family and he wants us, wants us to, to, to honor him, to depend on him, to rely on him, to trust him. He wants all of that because he wants to be our father. And maybe you're here and you're like, well, I just didn't have that example in my life. And I know at the Florida Women's Reception Center right now, there's so many women right there, right there that, that their entire relationship with God sometimes is skewed because of, of, of a lack of relationship that they have with their father but I want you all to understand in this room online God is your father if you will invite him God will be your father he is a father to the fatherless he wants to be there and you might have walked into this room today thinking that that I'm abandoned or I'm forsaken but the spirit of God wants you to know that you have a heavenly father that since the beginning of humanity has been longing to be in relationship with you we must call him our father Give your heavenly father some praise right now. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Destiny Community Church Podcast. To learn more about DCC, including our service times and location, visit us at destinycommunitychurch.org.